everybody. I'm really excited you're joining us this morning if you're watching it live, but whatever time of day or night it might be, I say that. You know, I've gotten emails from people in Germany, people in the Philippines, people in Japan who watch this live. So it might be evening for you, even though we're showing it live in the morning. My name's Mark Lanier, and I teach a class at Champion Forest Baptist Church called the Biblical Literacy Class. And right now, we're still in that COVID stage where the class is being taught uh, away from campus. We hope that'll change soon. But today, I've got this incredible opportunity, and I have grabbed Pastor Brent Dyer from the church. And I said, Pastor Brent, you've got to come join, because last week I taught on singing, and this week we're extending it into worship. And who would ever guess, but Pastor Brent Dyer is our worship leader and worship pastor at the church. He's a personal friend of mine and my family's, and and we are really delighted to have him. And so today's teaching will be kind of a joint session where through questions and and visits, uh, we get a chance to talk about worship in ways that I hope, wherever you are, will enrich your walk with God, will enrich your worship with God, and will draw you closer to the purpose of all humanity which is to bring praise to the Creator. So with that, we're going to get started. Pastor Brent, thank you so much for joining us. So thanks for inviting me, Mark. Oh, well, it's, I'm so excited. So I've kind of divided this up into three areas. I want to talk to you about you personally and let people get to know you. But then I want to talk to you about the theology of worship. You know, what, what we should be thinking about and knowing about behind what is worship, talking about God in that sense. And then finally, I've just got a bunch of practical questions I'm dying to ask you, okay? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. First of all, uh, you are Brent Dial. Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your family of origin. So I've lived in Texas my whole life. Um, my father is a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. Actually, my, my dad's retired now, but he was a pastor. Um, grew up in the Dallas area. Uh, went to high school in the Dallas area. And, uh, you know, in high school, you know, did all the things that high schoolers do, especially uh, the, those who are preacher's kids. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if you want to go down wait, that wait, road wait, too wait, far. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> So those who may not know, preacher's kids sometimes have a reputation of trying to find those things that their fathers, the preachers, would not have wanted them to find necessarily. Yes, that's you, a good way to put it. You that's ventured a forth a little bit. Yes, I was, I was very independent as a, <laughs> as a teenager and uh, graduated from high school and went to Baylor University. Um, where I, I studied music and initially uh, started studying vocal performance. Really? Um, so, like in high school, were you in choir and stuff like that? I was in I, I was in choir and you know musicals and all that kind of stuff. So you did uh, theater as well. I did theater, piano, you know, all that stuff. Oh, so you play piano? And I did. When did you start learning to play piano? I started probably third grade. So was it because you liked it or because your parents made you? At that point, it was because my parents made me. But did you reach a point where you liked it? Uh, no. <laughs> not, not, not really. <laughs> uh, uh, I started violin in third grade because my parents thought it was real important for me to be ultra-coordinated in terms of one arm doing this and one hand yeah. doing this. Yeah. So I took violin in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. And then I told my parents, please, no more. 
Yeah. And uh, I got mercy at that point. I, I, di- I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I did it. I, well, I, I think my sophomore year of high school or something like that, I, I finally I finally quit only to have to pick it back up again in college. So Oh, mercy. You know. So you were you knew you had a good voice early on. Sure. <laughs> now, what, what in terms of some people watching this are fairly musical, what would you say your voice range is? Are you s- I am a lyric baritone. Okay, what does that mean for those who aren't? So, so for, in men's voices, you have a, a, a tenor and a bass, and a baritone is somewhere in between. So lyric baritone, uh, I can't sing the really, really low notes, and I can't sing the really, really, really high notes, but I'm kind of on the higher end of the low. Okay, so I would call myself a baritone as well baritone into bass though and i've been listening to you sing for years now and you hit notes that i dream about so you you actually have some <laughs> range up there the at the top part. end yeah okay yeah. all right um now so you're growing up were you an only child i am an only child wow yes. are, you, are both your parents still alive they are that's wonderful yeah that's really good so when and you where, where did you meet your wife we met on a blind date. So after I graduated from Baylor, I went to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. I was working at a, a little church there as a worship pastor. And two different people who didn't know each other were trying to set us up at the same time. So after I saw a picture, I was willing to go to lunch. <laughs> I've seen his, I know his wife well. Smart guy. She might have vision problems, but but he knew what he was homing yeah, in on. Yeah, okay, go yeah. ahead. So we went to lunch. Um, that lunch ended up lasting like five hours. Wow. Three months later, we were engaged. Wow. And uh, tell everybody, you've got some children. Tell I, them about your wonderful I do. high school I'm, kids. So Jill and I just celebrated 20 years uh, wow. back in March. And we have a son who is a senior this year, about to graduate from high school, and a daughter who will begin her sophomore year. Fantastic. Those are uh, uh, challenging. So your son, does he know where he's going to college? He does not. He's okay. he's figuring it out. He's, well, he's got time. Now, when did you feel called into ministry, I guess is a term a lot of people use. When did you decide, this is a direction for me? Still figuring that one out, Mark. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so I graduated from Baylor. So about halfway through my time at Baylor, um, my parents said, okay, you need to get a job because I wanted to live in an apartment. I didn't want to be in the dorm. And said, so they said, you need to get a job. So having grown up in the church, um, the easiest thing I could possibly think of to do that would make money with the least amount of work, at least I thought at the time, was to lead music. So I, I took a job. Uh, there was no real spiritual calling. There was, it was just a job for money. And so I did that for the last two years of school, and I graduated with my undergrad and didn't really know what to do and um, didn't really want to go to graduate school, but started in seminary because my whole family had done that. Uh, Never really buying into the idea of seminary, but just kind of doing it because it was what I was supposed to do. You know, it's what my family had done. So about halfway through seminary, I decided this is not for me. I don't. Uh, growing up, I would have said I'll do anything but work in a church, like hmm. anything but work in a church. So about halfway through seminary, I decided to get a real estate license, and I began selling real estate up in the Dallas area. Um, so at one point, I was working in a church, going to seminary, selling real estate, trying to work my way out of church work. Um, when 
we found out we were pregnant with our first child. Mm -hmm. And so needing some stability, I ended up back in the church. So the, the, the long answer to your short question is um, God used the people of the church to kind of mold my heart to, to wanting to serve in the church. Never really had a, like a lightning bolt experience, never mm-hmm. had a you are set aside. Uh, it was just always God took the gifts and talents that he had given me and opened doors, which opened more doors, uh, which uh, through relationships and different opportunities confirmed his calling on my life. All right, so here's, I'm a visual thinker. So here's the visual I had with that. Some people hear God say to them, this is what you're going to do. And it's like, okay, thank you. And some people, God says, here's your road. And you walk down it, and as you walk down it, he says, nope, turn left, nope, turn right. And he just kind of opens doors, and you wind up finding that you have been walking in the Lord's direction for your life without even realizing it maybe even sometimes. Is that right? Yeah, that that's definitely that's definitely true. And just re- as recently as the last couple of years, I've decided to to expand that even more. And I've I've worked. Big, oh, I'm about to finish working on a master's in clinical mental health counseling. So uh, you know, God has just opened different doors throughout my life, and um, and every time He opens a door, um, I, I walk through it, and it has kind of morphed into a life. You know, you and I had lunch fairly recently, and at that lunch, oh, it's, it's been a number of months ago, but at that lunch, you were telling me about this, and you were saying that you you think God's got in your future an ability to give good counseling to other pastors music worship leaders and other folks like that. In fact, I think right now you're even active in blogging and things like that. Is that right? Yeah, God's really kind of put a, a, a put it on my heart to to help hurting people, specifically pastors, uh, specifically worship pastors. So, uh, you know, I'm doing some mentoring and coaching and things like that. Well, so. that's fantastic. So I want you to mentor and coach us a little <laughs> bit today. Okay. And so we're going to shift and I want to start talking about the theology of worship, for lack of a better way of saying it. Theology's uh, in in the sense of speaking about God, but but what I want to do is talk about maybe the philosophy of worship is another way to say it. What is worship in in your mind and in your no, words, nomenclature? Yeah, you know, the, the interesting thing, and when people talk to a worship pastor or a musician about worship, they expect the, the person to say, it's singing, it's gathering and singing. And But really, uh, if you look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says that living your, your, offering your life as a sacrifice, that, that is your spiritual act of worship. So worship really is just, um, uh, it's, it's a choice by choice, day by day way we live our lives uh, in, in a way that, that sacrifices uh, ourselves for, um, for, for, for Christ. Yeah. So I'm going to put up here for us to look at together that Romans passage, because I think it's so important, where Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Great point, worship. All right, now, as a language major, myself, 
I, I tend to look at things from a language perspective. So I look at passages like that, and, and I look at the Old Testament, and there's an Old Testament word for worship that, that in English um, we would say it's uh, basically halah. Um, we sometimes will spell that a little differently. It, it, the Hebrew is just the, the hey, lamed, lamed. Um, but it's halah. We get hallelujah from it. Hallelujah is the halal with yah, which is an abbreviation for Yahweh or the, the name of God. And it's in the hallelujah form because it's for the plural. Long story short, ignore all of that if it's boring you to death. We do have some people who know Hebrew who watch this, so they may not be bored. But the bottom line is, is that's often translated praise or praise the Lord. But there's a good indication that it comes from the simple word of shine. And that same word means uh, not just to shine, but to, to praise or to be boastful about. Scoot back a little bit. Praise, um, be boastful about. With the idea that we can be boastful about God. We can shine Make God shine. And I think Paul is indicating we can do that by the way we live our lives. Right. And that is, we are God's trophies in that sense. So how does that translate into your understanding of who God is? Because you've got, if we're going to be boastful and, and proud of our God and shine his radiance to the world and praise him to the world. We got to have a clue of who he is. Right. So talk to me about who God is in terms of your life that's affected who you are. Yeah, well you know it's it's I think it's easy to think of God as creator. So okay. the the one who has fashioned us and formed us um but then the idea that he also chooses to know us and he chooses mm. uh you know he the choice to allow Jesus to come to earth and the the choice to allow uh us to know him through Christ um and then and then the the idea that um you know when you think of when I think of me, when I think of uh, what I know about me and kind of the, the, the messed up person that I am, and I look at where I, I would be or could be if, if God hadn't intervened in my life, and, and I think about that, and then I think about the way God has intervened, uh, it's that kind of thing that makes you stop and, and worship um, because you look at... Um, you look at your own nature and you look at the nature of what God is. If you, you know, when you read the scripture and you look at uh, the different characteristics of God compared to our own characteristics, and it, and it kind of makes you uh, really have no other choice other than to worship his character. Oh, man, you, you have just brought back a memory to me that causes me to pick up. This is the actual hymnal I grew up with in terms of what we sing with out of our church. And uh, I, I grew up in an a cappella tradition, so the notes are shaped notes um, uh, in the hymnal. But we, we sang this song. You have led me in this song before. Um, you know this song extremely well. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful, 
and mighty, God over all and blessed eternally. I was singing that in church one time when I was in college. And I was cruising along pretty good because we were in four-part harmony and, 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 and I loved the harmony, the way it was written in this song. And then, and then I kept singing. And this next verse, All the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the crystal sea, cherubim and seraphim, the angels, falling down before thee, who wast and art and evermore shalt be. And at that point, our preacher got up. And he stopped us in the middle of the song. And he said, and by the way, our preacher was Don Finto, who I'll be interviewing September 13th. He's going to be live at, at hopefully class if we're back on campus. Mm. Um, but he said to everybody, stop. He said, the singing sounds beautiful. He said, but do you realize you are right now in a spiritual way joining the angels singing in the presence of the Holy One. Mm. He said, don't get so wrapped up in how good you sound and singing the parts that you lose track of where you are right now in the universe of God. Mm. And I remember my reaction was one of tears because I, I wasn't worthy to be in the presence of God and I was afraid he might see me. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, I, I can't, I can sing the song, it's a beautiful song, but I can't be in the presence of the Holy One doing this because I've got no right. And then I saw that passage because he made us start singing it again, falling down before the end. I thought, okay, I can fall down in front of him. And, 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 and it was... Um, it's a transformational moment for me. You've got to experience that just routinely because you are so t- caught up in worship. Yeah, it's very much that that Isaiah six uh, experience, you know, where you say, "Woe is me!" Um, and I think oftentimes uh, it's as a worship leader, it's very interesting when you're standing in front of people and you get caught up in the. The, the the emotion of thinking about uh, the lyric that you're singing or wh- what God has brought you from or uh, just the holiness of, of the God that you are placed there to lead other people to worship. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, lyrics and music have have power, um, you know, to change to change us. Yeah, I, when I was teaching last week about singing, I talked about how much of the brain is involved in all these different aspects of singing. You've got all the lyrics, and you've got the intentionality and the mental aspects, but you've also got your brain doing all of these other things, keep track of rhythm, right. you know, meter, uh, keeping pitch, keeping all of that stuff going, and, and it's it's a true, total human activity to, to sing. Um, well, so when you look at worship and you you have a choir you have a worship team you have worship pastors that work with you do do you ever talk to them through this stuff do y'all talk about what it means to worship and and all yes you know i i joke with our i joke with our teaching pastors that most of the theology people learn they learn through through song and the teaching pastors kind of give me a hard time because, you know. But I, we talk 
often about the importance and the, and the responsibility that we have as worship leaders because when you're when you're picking songs it, you are teaching theology and mm. you're encouraging those around you with the lyric that you're singing and you know a lot of times uh, people with memory problems in older age they can't remember they can't remember important parts of their lives but they can remember songs that they were taught you know as 4 and 5 and 6 year olds and so we don't underestimate the power that those songs have as we gather together each Sunday uh, and and we're looking at what key they're in we're looking at uh, are they singable we're looking at what is the theology? Um, there, there are multi-layered decisions that go in picking which songs we, we choose. Well, I want to I get real practical with you here in a, a little bit. But before I do, I want to make sure that I've driven home through our discussion this point about individual worship versus corporate worship and, and how both of them are important. Um, during covid it's made it in quarantine. It's made it more. It's made it where it's it's almost only available as individual worship. But as our worship centers are opening back up, I feel like I've missed something by not worshiping with others in a corporate manner. In addition to my own life, mm-hmm. would you talk to me about that, some? Yeah. So the the thing about corporate worship is it's it's really just a, an an overflow or an example of our of our individual worship, and then you come together, and what it does is it, it unites the, the, the idea of all of these voices singing the same notes and the same rhythms and the same uh, lyrics. It's, it's uniting, and it, and it draws believers together. It encourages the, the, the use of music, the singing, the theology, uh, because you never know what that person next to you is, is dealing with or going through. Uh, and and coming together and hearing people in agreement can be a great source of encouragement. Uh, it's it, it's it's like war. It's coming together and singing. We're in battle together, uh, you know. And um, and and the corporate experience um, is is meant to uh, help the individual connect not only with uh, with God and to 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 to. Uh, bless his heart, but also to encourage those around us and the other believers in, in our community. Mm. I like that. I, I know that the the individual aspect can exist also within the corporate. You were talking about how yourself personally, it, and and I gave the example of me from college where it 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 affects us internally. But I think being in the presence of other people worshiping, you know, when they're shining the light on God, that reflects some to me as well. And and it just seems, I don't know. Now, you stand up there and lead singing. So you're getting all the voices coming at you. But I would think you've also got the discomfort of a lot of people don't really sing. They love to listen. Yeah, you know, and as a as a worship leader, that's something that you have to um, you have to kind of learn to deal with because you'll see the guys with their arms crossed, or you'll see you'll see people not engaging. But even as a as a worship leader, as a worship pastor, when I'm in the when I'm in the congregation, most often I can't sing. Most often I become so overwhelmed by the sound of the people singing around me, and my 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 mind immediately goes if if. My heart is blessed and touched this much by listening to the people sing around me. 
just imagine the heart of God as he listens to his children sing. Uh, you know, so um, there's that balance. There's that balance between participating and singing, but also taking in what's going on around you and being encouraged by that as well. While we're sitting in here talking to you guys, uh, we've got some friends in who are, are with us so that we we're socially distant uh, semi-appropriately. Um, but, but it allows us to uh, realize that we're not just talking to a camera, which is really tough for me to do. Um, I don't know about Brent. But one of the people in here is David Capes, who's taught New Testament Greek for eons and eons. And so I need to ask him, in Romans 12, 1, the worship word, is that proskuneo in the Greek? It's not. Get us that word. Because what you're talking about uh, does remind me at least of a Hebrew word. There's a Hebrew word translated worship. It comes from the Hebrew shaka, um, shaka, which uh, we would say shaka. Whoops, there we go, shaka. Um, the, the Hebrew word shaka means to bow down, uh, to prostrate yourself. Um, uh, it's it's uh, what a servant would do to the king, but it's what someone would do when they're in awe in front of someone. And you talked about how where you can be in worship, where you're not the leader, where sometimes you just you can't sing because of what's going on inside of you as you're worshiping the Lord. Right. It's Latreon. Yeah, it is Latreon. Okay. Oh, you looked at it. Uh, no, no, I was thinking if it wasn't, uh, yeah. So anyway, there are several Greek words. Latreon is one of them, um, which which is is kind of a reflection of what a um, servant does to their master. Hmm. Uh, it's a it's a service type of a worship word. Um, the other Greek word for worship that's commonly used is proskuneo, which just means to kiss. Kuneo is to kiss. And pros is toward. It's it's to kiss the ground. It's the same idea of just being face planted before God. But all of those words involve this idea that we're worshiping God in our service, in our lips, in our song. We're shining His greatness both in what we say, in what we think, and in what we do. But we can do that individually. And then we come together corporately, and there's some special power there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the passage. There's a psalm that says, Strength is found before the throne of God. And uh, when you've drawn us into the presence of God, into the throne room in worship, if you've not had a chance to worship with Brent, you can do it online. And I urge you to do it in a room where nobody's around to think you're a fruitcake while you do it. And just sing as soon as you figure out how to sing those songs. And you sing them with this gentleman full voice before the Lord. But you've taken us into the presence of God and I have walked away stronger. I have experienced that strength is in the presence of God. And when I go into his presence in praise and worship, I am not the same when I walk out. Do you, do you find that to be true? Yeah, I mean, when you are in the presence of Almighty God, how how can you leave the same as you came? You yeah. know, um, and and again, in that corporate experience, uh, it serves as a reminder of grace, a reminder of life change, a reminder of sacrifice, 
Um, and, and hopefully the, the lyrics that we are singing corporately are encouraging our faith, encouraging our theology. So let's, let's talk about the practical aspects of this then. And if, you know, one thing that I hear from a lot of people, because I, 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 I'm, I'm big on singing and I believe in it and I, I teach it, I preach it, I just sing to the Lord. Um, it's, it's an instruction in the Bible. It's not a request. It's right. an instruction. Right. We are commanded to sing to the Lord, just like we're commanded not to murder somebody. Right. Okay. Now, um, I hear a number of people say, but I can't sing. Do you get that? I do. I, do I hear that often. <laughs> uh, you know, I... The beauty is, I, I, it doesn't matter. Um, I, you know that one of the great things about corporate worship, uh, as well, is people really can't hear you. You know, pe- when people say that, I think what they're really afraid of is somebody around them hearing them, uh, and and maybe judging them or whatever. Because normally you wouldn't hear that about about individual worship. That's more about the corporate experience. Uh, and, and the truth is, it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like when you go to work out and you're worried everybody's watching you. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you, mm-hmm. you're a little out of shape and you're worried about everybody watching. Well, I really, can't, I can't relate. <laughs> Not well, me either, clearly, especially after COVID. Yeah. You know, but really, mm-hmm. nobody's watching you at the gym. You know, they're yeah. worried about themselves. Same with corporate worship. Really, people are not. They're not there to listen to you sing. Uh, they're there to engage themselves and. Um, you know, you hear people joke all the time about make a joyful noise. Uh, it's it's kind of like you know when your child tells you they love you. Do you really? Does it really matter how they do that? You know, does it really matter if it's not eloquent? Does it really matter if it's if it's you know, especially when they're little, if they don't even have all the vocabulary? Um, you, you don't care, you know, yeah. and so it's the same with singing. God's heart is blessed from from our heart, not necessarily from the actual sound coming out of our mouths. And we have an audience of one. Yeah. And if we're singing for the people around us, we're singing for the wrong people anyway. Yeah. I like that. I need to. I need to. I need to use that. Add that to my uh, uh, responses. Um, you've got a choir. Uh, I don't know how many people are in the choir, but there's a bunch because. We've shifted our times for worship, for those of you who are watching. And the class that I normally teach at 11 is moving to 9.30, as we're doing now. And then we're going to have worship at 11. And a number of people in my class immediately threw up the alarm and said, But wait a minute! We're in choir! We've got to get there! And we've got to have time to get there and get ready and da-da-da-da-da. So I don't know how many people are in choir, but there's got to be a bunch because I got a lot of feedback from that time change. Uh, how many people do you have in your choir? Oh, um, several hundred. So how do you, are there tryouts? How do people... No, there are no tryouts. Uh, as a matter of fact... The, the vast majority of our choir doesn't read music. The vast majority of our choir uh, is, is less than a professional singer. <laughs> and so you let them in anyway? Absolutely. Well, now, what, what gives on that? I mean, 
Yeah, well, the, the, the choir experience, at least at Champion Forest Baptist Church, is, is meant uh, to set the pace and to, to demonstrate, visually demonstrate, uh, and help engage the congregation. Um, it's not so much about the actual music. It's, it's more about the corporate worship experience. And so anybody who has a heart for the Lord and wants to use their voice good, bad, doesn't matter, uh, can jump up in there and sing with us. Oh, that's fantastic. And and yet, from the perspective of someone who's at the listening and singing end of that, you, you don't notice anybody's out of key, out of touch, out of rhythm, out of anything. It, it sounds magnificent. I mean, the, one of the big concerns I have at our church is it's real easy for me to go there. You guys are so good. It's easy to go there and have a concert experience instead of me go there singing and engaging and worshiping the Lord. Do you struggle with that aspect of it as well? Yeah, we do. And one of the things that we teach our teams, our our lead singers, our choirs, our bands, orchestra, everybody, is that our model of worship, corporate worship, uh, some people think that they come in, uh, maybe you talked about it last week even, and they are to sit there and watch. Mm-hmm. And the people on stage are the, are, are the performers and mm-hmm. God, God is the audience. Well, our, we invert that and we view ourselves as the prompters. The people mm-hmm. in the congregation are actually the performers with God as the audience. Wow. Wow. And so that means you've got to pick. I, mean, I don't know how you do it. I'm just going to be blunt. We've got a multi-generational church. I can count four generations easy. We've got a multicultural church. We've got people that come from um, uh, a typical white Anglo-Saxon Protestant background. We've got people that come from African-American traditions. We've got people that come from Hispanic traditions. The Hispanic traditions sub-break down into Central America, South America, European uh, Spanish. You've got such a diverse audience. How on earth do you ever put together a program for worship time after time after time again with that much diversity? I have no idea, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is is the challenge. It it really is a challenge. And the beautiful thing about Champion Forest is... um, the, the, the spiritual maturity to understand that we are a diverse church, which means um, some weeks I may love it, some weeks I may not connect with it. Um, but, but, you know, trying to, trying to focus on the, the theology and the lyric and the singability of the song, um, that's, that's the main focus. And then, uh, you know, trying to be in the big middle. We tell our teams, uh, if you think of, of worship as a continuum, or musical style as a continuum, uh, you've got, you know, this end way over here that's super, super traditional. You've got this end that's modern. And then we just kind of think of ourselves in the big middle uh, to try to reach as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you make a good point, and... Um, You've got to get emails all the time from people who say, no, I didn't like this. I didn't. No, never. 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 Fair. We'll never. leave that alone. Um, um, I, because I know just from a personal perspective, and I talked about this last week too, we tend to get set in what we like. And it's really hard for some people to accept some newer style music. A, a good friend of yours and mine on staff is Louis Miori. 
and Lewis is stuck in the 1970s for music. I mean, the Eagles are the pinnacle of all things musical. Yeah. And I tried to introduce him to you too, and he was just kind of like, I don't like that stuff. I'm like, that is not humanly possible not to like this music. No, no, no. If it's not the Eagles, he doesn't want to hear it. And I'm like, do you have such bad musical taste that you cannot expand and pick this up? And he's kind of like, nah, I just, I just, there's no point. Life's too short. And, and, okay, fine, listen to your little Eagles Greatest Hits album and miss out on all of the U2 catalog. Um, but but I, it brings me to this question. You play, I mean, you sing and lead us and play such diverse music. Where do you get this music from? How are you fed? You know, uh, the, the older I get, the harder that becomes uh, because just like you were just saying uh, the old when I was young Mm -hmm. I would spend all day every day listening to music researching music trying to find you know the greatest music I, I, I had time to spend in personal worship where I could just listen and, and sing all day long. The older you get, you know, life catches up to you and, and it's harder. So one of the things that uh, that I do is I surround myself with younger folks who are listening oh. to the to the newest stuff. Um, but also, um, you know, there are there are in a very practical way there are playlists on on iTunes and Spotify and things like that that are are uh, constantly updating and and putting out new stuff. But also, you know, we, we at Champion Forest we have a, a pretty big. Um, one of our priorities is original songs because we believe that if God is doing something new in your life, He's giving you a new song. So writing new stuff, too, that's birthed out of the journey of our church is important to us. That's fantastic. I, I know we've sang some of those, and, and uh, the church has put out, you, you and the choir have put out some CDs and, and things to that effect. So this last week, I, I, I record these video thoughts for the day. They're just four to five minute vignettes of, of things that I think might be useful for people to listen. We stick them on YouTube and, and have some folks who listen to them. Um, but this last week, what I've done is each day I've done a scripture with a song that's an important song in my life that's, that's meant something to me. And, and I tried really hard to, I did a, um, a hymn, an old hymn, It Is Well, um, you know, and then I did. Um, uh, I tried to do a, a, a song from a friend of mine in the Catholic tradition, uh, John Michael Talbot's "Healer of My Soul," and then I did a song out of the Jewish tradition, uh, Joel Chernoff, uh, who sang under Lamb, uh, "Rivers of Babylon," and then I tried to do a song out of my historical contemporary music, which was Keith Green, "Oh Lord, You're Beautiful." And then I ended, I thought, I need a new song. So I did So Will I, that Hillsong mm-hmm. song, which our choir has just killed that song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not supposed to be audience, but I'm just telling you, as audience, <laughs> just like, ah. Oh. But it's one that so draws me into worship. I can, I can, uh, that one just, the theology behind that song blows me away. Mm-hmm. So give me some of your favorites. If you were going to be saying, okay, here are some songs for people to find on YouTube. And Brent Johnson's such a wizard, he'll find some of these and link them down below on this class. Give me a couple of songs that you think just administered to you. Oh, goodness, Mark. That's a hard one. Uh, 
Yeah, and I've given yeah, you, by the way, zero warning <laughs> on any of these questions. This little thing is totally live in terms of he's had no preparation at all. We're not cutting. We're not editing. We're just running through this for you guys. So, uh, no, this is real time. He had no clue that song, that, that uh, question was coming. Sorry, I That's should have okay. told you. That's okay. I, this is one I should know. It should be easy, right? Um, Waymaker is a fantastic song. Uh, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness, that is that is who you are. Um, Waymaker is a great song. There's another song called Yes, I Will that mm. really speaks to me. And it simply just, it says, yes, I will lift you high, God, even in the lowest, in the lowest valley. Um, uh, there's one called Praise Your Name that says, uh, I'm going to sing my way out of the valley and I'm going to shout my way up to the mountain and take hold of the promises of, of your word. Um, a lot of the songs that I'm drawn to are uh, are songs that kind of take my, my personal journey of ups and downs and someone else who's more eloquent than me has put this lyric that I kind of can adopt and and make my own prayer, make my own story. And so uh, songs like Yes, I Will or Praise Your Name. Yeah, those are great. So we'll link those. I'm older than you by a good bit. And so my exposure to Christian music, uh, contemporary Christian music started earlier in a sense, and, and and I'm probably the old people's music in your mind, but um, when did you first start getting exposed to newer Christian music, and who were some of the artists where you, you started saying, hey, I'm, this is this is good for me? Because some people will look just under artists. They'll get on Spotify and type in an artist. Who, who, who has ministered to you in that way? Uh, you mean like... In early days, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm a child of the '90s, so uh, you know the heyday of contemporary CCM music. Uh, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Point of Grace, those kind of groups. Okay, so I went to church where Michael W. Smith was our worship leader for a while mm. when I was in college, and I remember I was there on a Wednesday night when he was uh, at the piano. And uh, Amy Grant went to the same church. And he said, all right, I've just written this new song. And he says, Amy's going to record it. And so we've been practicing it. So Amy's going to come up here and teach it to you. And, uh, uh, and, and he said, so it's real easy. And he started and first they'd teach us just a little chorus. And then they'd teach us. And then at the end, he said, now at the end, you're, I'm going to hit this. And there's a pause before you sing that last note, and you're going to want to sing it immediately. And so when I hold up my fist, that means don't sing, just wait. And then I'll pull my fist down and we'll sing. And it was, uh, uh, greater you, Lord, yeah. and worthy of honor. Greater you, Lord, and worthy of praise. Greater yeah. you, Lord. I lift up my voice. Great is the Lord. Our greater you, Lord. Which incidentally started as a contemporary Christian song, but is now in our hymnal. Are you serious? That's a whole a whole nother conversation for another time. But Wow. Yeah. So the hymnals, this this little puppy's not around that much anymore, huh? It, it really isn't, actually. I bought this off eBay. They don't even print it anymore. But I wanted a hymnal I grew up with. Uh, that's it now in the hymnal. It is. Wow. Well, he... Uh, um, that 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 was really cool. That's a cool memory to get to have sang that song before it was... Yeah. You know, it's just, just written. Yeah. 
Um, so you listen to that stuff, and I yeah. say stuff in a yeah. holy way, and then uh, uh, you uh, um, holy stuff, and then you uh, incorporated in you know that whole Hillsong movement I was and all of say, that. A big influence in my life was Darlene Check, uh, oh. which the interesting thing about Darlene is you know she was she was kind of the uh, she started sort of the modern worship movement. Uh, but when you sit down and talk to her, I've had the privilege of sitting down with her a couple of times and just theology just leaks out of her. Really? Uh, you know, so she's, she's, she's a singer, but she's very much a, a, a theologian. Does she have a great Australian accent? She does. So she when does. she talks theology, it so really sounds listen. good yes, too. Yes, absolutely. So what was her song? Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Massive song. I've told my kids I want it sung at my funeral. That song came out a good while ago. 1993, I think. Wow. 27 years ago. Um, Well, um, we are almost out of time. So before we leave, I want to ask you this. I want you to tell us, for those who are in the Houston area or want to view on the Internet, tell us what we've got uh, uh, coming up in worship right after this. 10.45 a.m., we will uh, we'll be joining together corporately at the church if you want to come join us. Um, if not, you can catch us online. But uh, it's going to be a great time of, of celebration and worship. And our website is championforest.org. Yes, sir. And uh, you'll be leading singing here shortly. I will. And uh, did you pick out good theology and singability and all the rest? I hope so. You gave it a so. shot. That's the plan. Shot for the big little. <laughs> All right, would you say a prayer of blessing over us before we go out? Absolutely. Thank you so much. God, I just thank you for, uh, for Mark, for, for this class, and uh, for all of those who are, who are watching. Lord, I pray uh, that as we gather together uh, corporately uh, or as we gather individually, uh, virtually, Lord, I, I pray that, um, that the truth of the gospel and the hope and the redemption and uh, the, the peace and um, just the life that we can find. I pray that we would sing out with all we have in us. I pray that we would offer our lives as a a living sacrifice of praise. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would take all these things that uh, we've talked about today, all the things that Mark talked about last week, and help us to uh, incorporate that into our worship. And may your heart be pleased with our song and with our life song. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Thank you, Brent. God bless you guys. See you next. Actually, watch for the video thought for the day. Starting tomorrow, my video thoughts for the day are going to just be on the Christian basics that will change your life. So I'll see you tomorrow in the video thought. But if not, I'll see you next Sunday.